Welcome in to Follow the Money here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. Jonathan Von Tobel, Matt Eubens with you here today again. Filling in this week for Mitch and Paul. will be back on Monday morning. And Matt Eubens, Dodgers will go down again last night because that's where we begin in Major League Baseball. A 6-5 final in the 11th inning as the Chicago Cubs get a win over the Los Angeles Dodgers. Dodgers continue to scuffle over these last few games. What now, 4-13 and 13 in their last 17 games of Los Angeles Dodgers. Not gone well. Yeah, it's not surprising to see a baseball team go through a uh, tough stretch. Mm-hmm. But a team that a lot of people thought could win 110 games, uh, you don't expect this. So the Dodgers obviously have some problems at this point and uh, shows up again last night. The bullpen can't get it done, and uh, Dodgers fall short and get swept. The brooms get taken to the Dodgers at Wrigley Field. So it's not like the Cubs were playing great baseball coming into the series. And uh, it's been a rough road trip for the Dodgers. Not only get they get their butts beat in Milwaukee and Chicago, but they lose Dustin May for the season. And May's been uh, obviously one of their top starting pitchers. He, he goes down to Tommy John. Talk about a disaster of a road trip for the Dodgers. Yep. Now, Bueller comes out pretty solid. Six innings pitched, five hits, two earned runs, strikes out eight, gives up a home run. Uh, Adbert Alzale, one of the guys that we had talked about, right, a fringe by-low candidate. Alzale actually puts together a pretty solid performance. Five innings pitched, just gives up two earned runs, strikes out seven himself also, the home run that he gives up. But you mentioned it in terms of the bullpen. Trinan comes in, allows a run to score. Jansen comes in, allows a run to score. And then, of course, Clevenger comes in at the end and gives up two hits, two runs, and that's how you write it up here. Only two strikeouts. So, again, the Dodgers struggling to find something as we go forward. You would expect that this is going to even out, right? Injuries are going to heal. This team is going to become complete. But it, we're talking with this is the one common theme that we're talking about. This team still gets respect. Yesterday, closing $1.70 with Bueller on the Hill. You know, if you're getting in on these prices, if you're trying to find the time in which the Dodgers are going to get right, you are paying for it mm-hmm. at the window. And, uh, you know, I give Blake Trennan some credit. He actually worked out of a serious mm-hmm. uh, jam in that game. So it's not like his uh, pitching hurt the Dodgers last night. But Kenley Jansen comes in, he walks three guys. Clevenger gives up a couple of hits. So the back end of uh, the Dodgers' bullpen has been a uh, big problem. Like you said, we talked about this on the show Monday, right? You're not going to hit the panic button at right. this point because it's such a long season. And the Dodgers are so talented that uh, they're going to regroup and they're going to be okay. But they're 17 and 15 at this point and uh, a big disappointment to a lot of people. On a daily basis, the Dodgers get bet heavily by the public, whether it's on parlays or uh, – run line or whatever it may be, a lot of people are playing the Dodgers, and I know they were a very popular play yesterday with Walker Bueller on the mound, and he pitched well. Uh, And you get a start like that out of Bueller and you still lose, there are definitely some concerns about the Dodgers as they wrap up this uh, road trip with an embarrassing sweep in Chicago. Did you see Jock Peterson yesterday? Yes, I did. Bad flipping the sack fly in the 10th inning. They thought he had ended it. Wind was blowing in, baby. Bad flip, thought for sure he had the home run. And that ball didn't even get to the warning track. Yeah, but, but it was a sack fly RBI. Hey, man, at least something happened, right? All right, we got plenty left to get to. Great show on tap here on Follow the Money. Don't go anywhere. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Brent Musburger, and here is your VSIN action update. Now, here are the latest lines from my guys in the desert. Carolina Hurricanes have won five consecutive games. They own the best record of the NHL at 36 10 and 7. They're playing for their first President's Cup in franchise history and looking to clinch their first division title since the 2005-2006 season. 
Carolina today, a $2.80 home ice favorite against the Chicago Blackhawks, plus 240, six under at the PNC Arena. John Lester on the hill for the Washington Nationals today against the Atlanta Braves at Nationals Park. Lester 7-2 with a 2.30 ERA and 11 career starts against the Braves. Nationals laying $1.10. VSIN gives you the tools to increase your sports betting IQ and make the most of every bet, including our 24-7 video coverage, odds and analysis for every game, our daily members-only best bets email, and in-depth coverage each week in Point Spread Weekly. Now's the time to sign up for your 10-day free trial, vcin.com slash subscribe. With your action update, I'm Mike Senna. Get the latest vcin odds at vsin.com. And remember, cash and tickets is what it's all about. It's time to follow the money with your hosts, Mitch Boss and Polly Howard. You know that our VEASAN experts are covering every sport on the board this spring to find the best bets every day. Now is a great time to invest in your long-term betting success. We provide all the tools that you need to make the most informed bet every time, even if that means telling you when not to make a bet is your best option. Our 24-7 video coverage, data and analysis on VEASAN.com, daily members-only best bet emails, and in-depth coverage of every major event in Points Spread Weekly is designed to improve your sports success year-round so your bankroll lasts longer and you can increase your sports betting IQ. Learn from our experience. Put our team to work for you today with the your VSIN 10-day free trial at vsin.com slash subscribe. You heard it. It's follow the money. Mitch Moss, Paul Howard, remain on vacation. Jonathan Von Tobel, Matt Eumanns, filling in for the guys this week. Opened up a little bit with the Dodgers getting swept out of Chicago as a $1.70 favorite yesterday, Matt Eumanns. We also opened up with a little bit of history as John Meads of the Baltimore Orioles, the first individual Orioles pitcher, to throw a no-hitter since Jim Palmer in 1969, the longest active streak in Major League Baseball, 12 strikeouts over nine innings, no hits, and he puts together a great performance as Baltimore Orioles get a win and means goes down in history. More ways than one, too, by the way. Yeah, it's a big deal for uh, the producer of our show, Matt Santos, who's got John Means of 500-1 to to win the American League Cy Young. Yeah. His odds are much better now. Uh, Means has put together quite the season up to this point. Uh, over his last two performances alone, going 16 innings, but on the season, 4-0, 137 on the ERA, 50 strikeouts, a whip of 0.67. A very promising start to the young campaign. Santos yeah, is going to quit after this. It's not like uh, it's not like he's nobody. He was an all-star pitcher a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. an 11th round uh, draft pick in 2014. He's been around a while, but now finally starting to... Uh, uh, throws his best baseball, I think. And uh, yesterday, he gets a snow hitter, and uh, one runner reaches on a wild pitch. Yep. <clears throat> That's a pretty good wild pitch uh, to actually strike out a guy. Is that, Was it more of a pass ball or a wild pitch? I thought it was a pass ball. I did, too. When you I saw it. Like, if I remember correctly, too, it went through the legs of the uh, catcher for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was should have been charged as a, uh, a pass ball, personally. Yeah, I did, too. Uh, but Means was outstanding in this game last night, obviously, and uh, uh, it's it's good to see the Baltimore Orioles come up with a performance like this, a big positive here early in the season. When you strike out 12 and walk nobody, uh, you're doing something right, and John Means uh, means business yesterday for uh, the Baltimore Orioles. That so, was 
That was too easy. That was, yeah, that was, that's, that's, that's going to be the headline <laughs> for the Baltimore. Means business. <laughs> so Means retired all 27 batters. Um, of course, allowed Sam Haggerty to reach on that wild pitch that we're talking about in the third inning. But they, then they caught Haggerty attempting to steal second. Wild pitch nullifies the perfect game bid. So Means believed to be the first pitcher in Major League history to lose a perfect game on a third strike wild pitch. And according to Elias Sports, uh, he is the first pitcher to throw a non-perfect no-hitter with no walks, no hit batters, and no errors. So it feels like it's Pretty a perfect impressive. game. Like I feel like it's almost like Madbum was talking with the seven inning no hitter. It really, right? it really feels like it should be a perfect game, but right. again, it's not perfect, so you can't call it that. I saw some uh, some people on Twitter yesterday lobbying, "Hey, MLB, you've got to give them a perfect game." No, it's not perfect, so by definition, you can't do that. I think uh, Mad Bum actually does deserve a no hitter for the seven inning um, no hitter he threw against uh, the Milwaukee. Yeah, it was against the Atlanta Braves. What? Like a week and a half ago? Yeah. That was a doubleheader of 14 innings where um, Mad Bum and I think Zach Gallen combined on 14 innings, one hit. And I would be in favor of crediting Mad Bum for a no-hitter for that, but you can't give a guy a perfect game if the game's not perfect. So Orioles close. That was essentially a pick between these two teams. Game goes under the total as the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles get a win on the road against the Seattle Mariners. The Anaheim Angels had a pretty good pitching performance yesterday as well. Shohei Otani shows up in a big way for the Anaheim Angels. Showtime. That's right. Five innings pitched, which seems to be about his cap for the most part. Only gives up one hit, strikes out seven over 84 pitches, and the Angels lose 3-1 to to the Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's a familiar story, Ryan. Right? You you got Trout last night, two nights ago, hits a home run, and the Angels trail 8-1 to in the game. (laughs) Last night, you get Shohei. Shohei Otani comes out with an outstanding performance, and the Angels lose again. Drop a 3-1 decision to the Rays, who have dominated uh, this team over the past five years. The Rays have now won 15 of the past 19 in Anaheim, and I'm a little upset with myself for not uh, betting the Rays the past couple days when I had them circled. But show, I mean, the biggest positive here for the Angels, who are now 13-16, and 16, by the way, a team with two MVP candidates is 13-16. and 16. Uh, There he Shohei has, uh, I think, answered any of the questions about how effective he could be as a pitcher. He has walked too many guys, as you and I have talked about, but he's definitely shown his potential huh. as a pitcher. He he can be, can he be a number one type starter? Do you think that, I believe to be a number one type starter, you have to go deep into games. He's not going to go deep into games, so I still think he's a, a number two. But last night he threw 84 pitches, went five innings, struck out seven, one hit. The one thing we didn't talk about, he walked six. No, that's it. Uh, yeah. Come on, malicious facts. We don't need to bring that up. So he's not a number one. He's he's a number two, but I think he has answered a lot of those questions about uh, how effective he can be as a starting pitcher. I still like the guy so much as a hitter. Mm-hmm. I don't care as much about the two way. I think Shohei's got so much potential at the plate. Yeah the the command is always the command is always going to keep him from being like a big time pitcher, right? Because right. the command. <laughs> Obviously, ups the pitch count. It's why you only go five innings and it can only throw 84, and it takes you 84 pitches to get that done. So he's been incredible. And you you saw the stat that we threw up there on the broadcast. He's got really nasty pitches. The splitter has been absolutely fantastic for him. Uh, according to ESPN, Stats and Info, right? If you look on Twitter, he has the second most strikeouts on his, uh, or as a sinker, excuse me, in Major League Baseball at this splitter, point. Or splitter, yeah, excuse me. Um, it's early in the morning. He's got 22 strikeouts on the splitter this season, second most in Major League Baseball behind Kevin Gosman, who's got 26. He's got a legitimate pitching arsenal. It's just that command. And we've talked about this before where 
he pitches almost like he hits, where it's always swinging for the fences. Mm-hmm. He's always trying to touch, it seems like, the peak velocity for any single one of his pitches, where sure. at times it gets a little wild and you can't find the strike zone. If he can calm that down, he's a front-end type of guy. But we have seen no indication yet at this point right now. And he, he could develop, but there, we've seen no indication he's going to be no more than like a five-inning type of guy. Uh, pitchers, hitters, players can improve, right? And uh, Shohei doesn't have a lot of innings right. in his career, so... I expect him to mature and get a lot better as a pitcher, and this is just part of the process. He's walking too many guys. I'm just not sure how uh, good a job the Angels are doing with his development in that aspect, and uh, that remains to be seen. But let's look at those MVP odds one more time because this is something you're not going to see. You're not going to see this type of thing too often where a team is three games under 500 and has the <laughs> top two MVP candidates. This is a bet MGM. Mike Trout right now, 2-1. to one. The second choice, Shohei Otani, eight to one, and the Angels, a team under five hundred. Yep, and uh, again, yesterday, one for nine runners in scoring position. The rest of the lineup can't really do much to support Mike Trout. Mike Trout goes zero for two, does reach though, and this is what's going to be the issue. And we talked about it. Rendon has not been the lineup; he's been injured. We'll see if this team kind of evens out from an offensive standpoint. But very reliant on two guys, and outside of that, really don't have much going on. So we'll see if they can turn this. You know, around. I like Jared Walsh. Yeah. Actually, the first baseman. Yeah. He, he's got potential to be a very good player and a power hitter. Former pitcher. Uh, yep, batting behind Mike Trout in that lineup last night. And uh, the absence of Rendon, obviously, is big for the Angels. Yep. So last night you uh, did not have Otani. You did not have Rendon in the lineup, and that's uh, that's obviously a, a pretty big deal. An absence, you take Otani's bat out of the lineup last night. Yeah, you, you uh, have, at the peak when this team is fully healthy and everybody's in the lineup, you got three guys who are potentially hitting around 300 with legitimate power. Mm-hmm. like there, There is a lot to like about this lineup, and maybe this is just a tough stretch where they get a little beat up and everything's gone a little sideways for them. But at the same time, it's hard to feel confident in this team considering that this has been the blueprint for them over the last few years. Yeah, it's, and I like to watch the Angels, but I kind of think of them as a bet-against team because yeah. uh, they just underachieve, and this goes year after year after year. It's an undeniable trend. Uh, Angels threw five pitchers out there last night. Four of them did a really good job. One guy blew the game, of course. and uh, that was uh, Junior Guerra, who gave up three runs in one-third of an inning, and uh, Angels dropped three in a row to the Rays, who are now 17-15. and 15. And uh, the Rays, by the way, about even money, right around even money in that game last night. It was uh, closed at DraftKings, Angels minus 106, Rays minus 104. Well, and that's the other part about this, too. Uh, the sneaky aspect of Shohei Otani is what the market thinks of him as a pitcher because uh, there is some support for him when you see that he's going to be on the mound. I, I can see that, but don't you have to bet him first five? Right, correct. Because, well, yeah. one, because he's not going to make it past five right. innings. Um, and the other part is an Angel bullpen that is in the bottom half of the league in a lot of key categories. So Angels lose 3-1, and this series uh, goes sideways for them, 13-16, and 16, and now 6-7 and seven at home on the season. So let's transition over to basketball. I think there's a couple of things uh, to touch on from the NBA last night. And one of the ones uh, that I think is really worth mentioning, again, as we talked about yesterday, Matt Humans, you know, trying to find some of these teams in the last six, seven games that are going to give you, I guess you can call it effort, but I think some of these teams that are trending in a positive direction that the market might not have caught up yet. Now, right. you needed every point possible. You needed to get the best number, four and a half, uh, where's the, uh, was the number at the open. But the Minnesota Timberwolves, again, last night, Matt Humans, if you got it, you either got to push or you got to cover performing a really solid outing yet again, 139 to 135, your final score. T-Wolves, again, closed four, four and a half. So uh, you got push. the four and a half. Yeah. And so you get, so you either get the push. Four and a half, and uh, <laughs> the best number paid off. 
I watched the end of that game, and I said, man, is JVT going to get screwed here? And you got you got the cover. No sweat. Thank God, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it was a never in doubt. But I will say this, and I was talking about it was talking on this uh, with social media with the, one of the viewers of the show where – you know, this team looks like this is a team that multiple times in this game, humans were facing double digit deficits, came, you know, came back each time, was really competitive. But I think this is more about finding out how valuable it is to find a team that has been eliminated, but the perception is that they're a bad team. And you can look, if we put this together, just look at the last 16 games, and this is since D'Angelo Russell's mm-hmm. return. And you can kind of see, like, this isn't a perfect team by any stretch. They're 8-8 eight and eight straight up, but they're 9-5-2 and two against the spread. Again, varying numbers depending on what you got and what you're looking at with all those games. But 10-6 to the over, 13th best offensive rating in the league. And I threw their net rating in there just to, prove, to, to show that, like, this isn't a team that is going to be, you know, threatening to a lot. Right. But I think you see in certain situations, and when you look at their schedule going forward, there's going to be some spots when they're catching points, maybe a little bit more than they shouldn't because – at times, they are a team that is well in the bottom half of the league. But lately, since D'Angelo Russell has been back, they are playing a little above their skis, and they are playing with some effort. They are a team that has been eliminated but wants to improve and establish something as they go into next year. The remaining games, you have Miami, Orlando, and Detroit on the road. They come back for three games, Denver, Boston, Dallas. They'll be underdogs in every single game but two, Orlando and Detroit. I would think they would probably be favored to both of those games. Mm-hmm. Relatively short favorites, you would think. They were only two and a half point favorites about a week ago against the Houston Astros, or excuse me, Houston Rockets. This is going to be a team that you're going to be catching points with down the stretch here, and I think this is very much worth continuing to kind of back this trend. I can't believe you talked all that time about that game and didn't mention how awesome Anthony Edwards was last night. I don't care about 40 plus points. It's about the team effort. 17 for 22 from the field, 8 for 9 from three point range. That's one of the best game, one of the top 10 games by any one player all season, isn't it? Hmm. Eight for nine from three-point range. Potentially. Anthony Edwards very uh, – look, Anthony Edwards has played very well this year, but he's also very boomer bust at times. He had seven assists. He mm-hmm. scored 42 with seven assists last night, six rebounds, and uh, he only had three turnovers. A lot of times we see you know, people bragging about Russell Westbrook's triple-doubles and he has seven turnovers. But uh, here's the thing about Anthony Edwards. When the season started, maybe for the first half, he looked like a raw talent. He really didn't know what he was doing. He wasn't a winning basketball player. His development's really been impressive. I think maybe the new coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for that because uh, the the uh, the former coach uh, was in over his head. He was he the youngest head coach in the NBA. He, he was up there. He might have been yeah the youngest head coach. He was pretty young. Yeah, he was just trying to be a buddy with the players. Players coach. Huh? Hey guys, come on in whenever you want, huh? But I, I love the coaching change. I think you're seeing it show up. A guy, you're talking about the uh, return, mm-hmm. obviously, of a, a key guard. But Anthony Edwards has, uh, has been really impressive, the first overall pick in the last year's draft. And uh, I watched him play in the Maui Invitational two years ago. And That's he was, right. You know, one game he was lights out, and then the next game you could see kind of the holes in his game where he played no defense, and he was just a raw talent. But this guy is an incredible talent. And – Eight for nine from three-point range. What was his offensive efficiency number last night? Because that had to be off the charts. I'll have to find that for you. And I'll say this. Look, to your point, 21.6 points last night, or excuse me, in the month of April on 43.7% shooting. This is a guy that in the first, I think, I, I, mean, I wrote about this when LaMelo Ball went down with injury. 
in the first, I want to say, 23, 24 games of the season, we're talking about shooting 37% from the floor, right? right? And like 29, 30% from three. So he does deserve credit for evening his game out. And obviously 42 points, nothing to sneeze at. And he's had a couple of these explosions. Uh, to your point, right, he had a 42-point game back against Phoenix uh, in the middle of March. We have seen the ability from Anthony Edwards, just the inability to put it together, but he has started to be a little bit more mm-hmm. consistent. And he has made this rookie of the year race a little bit more interesting. Ball's back. Obviously a massive favorite to do it, mm-hmm. and he has performed at a really high level to make this, I think, a little bit more of a sweat than I first indicated when I wrote about it when LaMelo Ball went down. Still think Ball's going to win it, but definitely no value in looking at him as like a $3 favorite, which he's at right now in most shops. Ryan Saunders, by the way, the former mm-hmm. coach of the was team, the was, that's what I was trying to think of. He, he was, when he was fired, he was 34 years old. Man, what were you doing when you were 34? Uh, I was living in Vegas, uh, working for ESPN Radio in the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Mm. I'll let you know in a couple of years. Hopefully I get to that point. What are you, 32? Uh, I'm only 30. Are you? Yeah. You still list your uh, age on your uh, Twitter page? Of course. You know how many people it irritates? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) That's magic. Uh, By the way, really quickly, last 30, well, worth mentioning, Denver Nuggets, uh, the Knicks run, I mean, it doesn't really come to an end, but we were talking about 12 out of 13, 14 out of 15, 113 to 97. Nuggets take care of business, shorthanded, but still performing at a very high level. And the Knicks, uh, 14-1 run against the spread. Knicks, no, Knicks were no shows last night. Very disappointing. That was the one play I liked on the NBA card. 26-6. First time I checked the score. Didn't show up. Uh, Jokic, by the way, outscored the Knicks 24-12 in the first quarter. All right, we have plenty left to get to. We have, uh, of course, continuation of these buy-low, sell-high pitchers. One of them showed up in a big way yesterday. We'll recap that. The Pacers are fighting with one another. Man, it's going to be a magical Thursday here on Baltimore. Daily specials, odds boost, and the largest offer of live in-play options. BetRivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. And to make your experience even more rewarding, BetRivers offers the most live streams of major sports. Instant payouts and only one-time playthrough. BetRivers, your hometown sportsbook, offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. JVT, how about the fights last night? In the NHL. It was fight night in hockey. Yeah, thrilling affair. Rangers, Caps, square off. Six fights in the first period. Of course, the uh, I thought the Tom Wilson controversy was over. $5,000 fine. Get <laughs> yeah. out of here. I, mean, I don't know so, what the big deal was. NHL stuck him with a stiff $5,000 fine, and uh, the Capitals, tough guy, uh, left the game last night after the first period. But how about all the drama in the first period last night? This from ESPN. Uh, there's that picture of the penalty box. <laughs> Is that hilarious or what? Wait, you got seven guys in the penalty box? I feel like that's not social distancing. <laughs> Six guys in the box right there. Uh, what would it say? 100 penalty minutes uh, combined. Assessed in the... Uh, between the Rangers and the Capitals first in the period first period alone, alone last yeah. night. And uh, at the puck drop, the gloves dropped, and uh, there were three fights right off the bat. What do you think of fight night in the NHL? I mean, I, I guess I kind of get it. 
I thought it was a little goofy. Like right at the start, everybody dropping gloves and just going at it. You, I don't know. I like I like fights for the most part. Sure, but fights everybody on loves ice, fights. Fights on ice don't really do it for me. There were a couple of guys right away. You and I were watching the video uh-huh. where they were standing, you know, toe to toe. They weren't grabbing each other. It looked like they were going to kind of duke it out like a boxing match. Yeah. And then the sweater gets grabbed and it just goes down to the ice and it's just a you know laying on top of each other and swinging. <laughs> Let's just stand up and box a little bit. Let's well, go. Two, yeah, two things ago. You and I were talking about this during the break. One thing that really annoys me about hockey fights is the sweater grabs. Think about how difficult it is to fight just when you're on skates. Mm-hmm. It's second nature to these guys. But how about when you're grabbing each other's jerseys and pulling each other around and then trying to trade punches at the same time? Right. Why don't hockey guys just fight and stand there and, and, and trade fists instead of grabbing the, the sweater all the time and trying to wrestle the other guy to the ground, can you just stand up and trade punches without the sweater grabs? Yeah. I'd like to see fights like that. And here's another thing about it. The Rangers were trying to make a statement last night with uh, the fights, right? They're going to fight back against Tom Wilson and the Caps. Well, if you're going to start the game with three fights, don't get your butt beat in two of the three. (laughs) And and if you're... (laughs) Did you watch? You, You saw the fights... The Rangers clearly lost two of the first three fights. I would agree that is so, yes. The other one's kind of a draw. Who cares? Both guys wrestled each other. Uh, the guys wrestled each other to the ground. But uh, the Rangers, I think, kind of kind of highlighted the fact that they're a soft team last night. They were trying to make a statement by coming out and fighting and, and showing their toughness. When you get whipped in a majority of the fights and um, you lose a game to the Capitals 4-2, to two, what do you really prove? Nothing. Uh, and the, by the Caps, way, by the way, were minus one thirty-five yes. favorites in that game last night. The total was six, so it lands right on the total. And now uh, the Caps on the puck line minus one and a half, plus one seventy-five. So they cash, and I thought they won the majority of the fights. Yes, and uh, you know Tom Wilson there for the entire contest. Uh, no, he left in the uh, second period <laughs> and didn't return with an upper body injury. So the guy that even instigated everything with his antics, uh, not really even there for the entire. Uh, scrum that was Caps and Rangers, which I saw a lot a lot on Twitter. Best game of the season. I don't know if that was because of the fights at the beginning, but a 4-2 gritty matchup in Washington, as you mentioned, $1.35 favorite in some spots. Gets a win there. And again, I love the fights. Mm-hmm. But if you're the Rangers and you're trying to make a statement, say, hey, we're going to fight back, don't lose the fights. Uh, the Golden Knights last night, Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, got a nice comeback win on the road against uh, their nemesis, right? The, the Minnesota Wild have given uh, the Vegas Golden Knights all sorts of trouble. Last night, the Wild overcame a uh, 1-0 deficit with two goals, uh, I think about five minutes apart in the third period. Vegas came back, tied the game, forced overtime, and won 3-2 in OT last night, JVT. The uh, VGK side was minus 118, and uh, they get the cash in overtime. I think I, I saw last night Vegas is now 8-0 and in overtime games this season. Yeah, and by the way, those two goals, they were about, I think, two minutes apart. They were very quick for the Minnesota Wild and a team that has been an issue for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, in the season and years past. So I think it's pretty good to get the Albatross, the monkey off your back to finally get a win over Minnesota. And after, a, I don't know what we call it, a collapse, but holding on to a scant lead and being able to get Smith in the back of the net on that power play and ultimately winning on a Petrangelo goal in the extra period. Uh, okay. Plenty left to get to here in this first hour. Remember, Luke and Carl is going to join us at some point in this show. Chad Andrews out in Denver is going to be with us as we discuss the Nuggets. Short-handed but still fighting in the association. Buy low, sell high pitchers, too. As we continue our handicap of the Major League Baseball schedule, you see our guest list there. Don't forget, William Hill, Point Spread Weekly contributor, is going to join us in the final hour of all the money. 
bankers. Are you ready? Download the PointsBet app now. Sign up using promo code VSIN2K to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. When you bet with PointsBet, you get faster bets, faster withdrawals, and faster rewards at your fingertips. Download the PointsBet app now to experience this premium sportsbook for yourself. I ask you one more time, are you ready? Terms and conditions apply. Void were prohibited. Got to be 21 or older if you have a gambling problem. 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel with you today as we fill in for Mitch and Paul this week on Follow the Money. Get to a little baseball, Matt Humans. We have a couple of pitchers to discuss when it comes to buying low, selling high, what they could potentially offer for us here on the Major League Baseball mm-hmm. slate. But first, we go back to yesterday. Take a quick look at the guys that were on the list for buy low, sell high. Tell you what, the Los Angeles Dodgers are on the sell high list as a team. Yes, uh, they absolutely are. When you're laying a buck seventy and losing games on the road, uh, you are going to be on the sell high list. So we'll start at the top, work our way down. Our first uh, buy low pitcher of the week and of the season, because uh, I don't get to do this regularly, Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray came in with a really inflated ERA, but his expected fielding independent was really solid. A lot of indicators that he was going to bounce back here in a big way, was getting unlucky. And sure enough, Sonny Gray last night, how about that? Seven innings pitched, two hits, two walks, eight strikeouts, no earned runs. was awesome. Good uh, call by you. In that game. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Now, if you hit the first five, which is usually the strategy for these, it would have been a push because it was scoreless, but the Reds eventually win in extras one to nothing. And that's one of those reasons I think that you're better off a lot of times splitting a unit, mm-hmm. half of it in first five, half for the game, and at least you come away with something last night if you bet the Reds and Sonny Gray because the Reds did not score until the 10th inning on Jesse Winker's uh, single. So... So much for uh, Cincinnati being a launching pad ballpark, right? Yeah. Seven hits total. Well, uh, but a great pitching performance on both sides yesterday in the White Sox-Reds. And one run for the Reds yesterday, the day before. No runs, right. which got the push in that uh, that matchup was was also the focus of one of our buy-low-sell-high handicaps. Uh, the other guys, too, by the way, we had two other dudes to discuss very quickly. Uh, Luis Garcia, call it a wash here. Uh, four and two-thirds, not a long outing. Two hits, two walks, eight strikeouts, three earned runs, got taken deep. Uh, one time, and then Robbie Ray for Toronto. Six innings pitched, six hits, no walks, which is surprising for Robbie Ray. Mm-hmm. Nine strikeouts, did get taken deep twice. So you see kind of the issues pop up there uh, for Robbie Ray in the smaller sample size. But ultimately, the Blue Jays would defeat the Athletics 9-4. to four. Yankees would defeat the Astros 6-3. to three. Another good win for the Yankees last night. Yep. And uh, Giancarlo Stanton with the big hit. He took uh, your guy Garcia deep, two-run homer. In the uh, third inning, and that was a uh, big play, obviously, for the Yankees. Garcia, I thought, pitched pretty well, man. Four and two-thirds innings, uh, eight strikeouts and two walks, and he gave up that one homer to Stanton, which was uh, a big deal in the game. But you, know, you strike out eight, and you know, you know, I've talked about this, too. One of the mm-hmm. problems, I think, with the Yankees lineup right now, you've got too many, strike, you too many guys striking out. Uh, but Garcia pitched really well, and, uh, you know, Jordan Montgomery, I thought, pitched pretty well on the Yankees' side, uh, too. But that game stayed under last night. Total was 9.5, 6-3. Another good win for the Yankees. And uh, we'll catch up with Yankees fan William Hill in the last hour of today's show. When uh, Will and I talked about the Yankees on the air a couple weeks ago in the My Guys in the Desert show, they were 5-10. and 10, And they've done a nice job of getting things turned around here in the last two weeks. So... With that, leads us into a couple of the guys we can look at today. <clears throat> mm-hmm. We've got three guys sell high on one by low spot. So I wanted to focus on two because they're going to oppose one another. And that would be Taiwan Walker and John Gant. And what's interesting is these are both sell high guys. And as we've talked about before, if you have two guys who meet up with one another, both sell high pitchers, generally look to the over between those two because there's some regression coming. Market has moved to the under here, and it's a low total as well. 
Uh, but Taiwan Walker for the New York Mets. Let's start there. Difference between the ERA and the expected fielding independent, just over 1.3 points. And the similar issue for both of these guys, the command. We're Walker, walking about five guys every nine innings, a walk rate of 13.3%, hard hit rate two, nearly 50%, which is very high, of course. Uh, that kind of indicates that you're getting away with a lot of stuff. You're giving up a lot of base runners, giving up a lot of hard contact, but you're not paying for it. Walker's been a guy that in years past has been on this list a couple of times too. It's been one of the guys that I have often used to play against because of the command issues, and at times he's paid for it, and and he's seen a lot, and we've seen a lot of big innings from pitchers. But he's been a guy that has been in the center of a lot of big innings. But John Gant is the one that's really surprising when you look at a lot of his numbers. The difference between his ERA and his expected fielding independent John Gant, 2.9 points between the two. His ERA being 2.9 points lower than his expected fielding independent. How about his command issues this year? He's walking nearly six and a half guys every nine innings, a walk rate of 16.5%. I threw this in there because I know you like that. How about a whip of 1.6, essentially, but he's stranding guys at an 85.5% clip? Basically, you look at these numbers, and uh, he's been lucky. Yes. And so, if anything, both of these guys face one another. Again, two sell-high pitchers going head-to-head indicates an overplay. would feel more confident in a Mets play as well. Uh, but you're seeing right now, again, like I said, the market moving to the under. Opened eight here at Circa. Circa seven and a half and a pick. You're looking at eight shaded to the under at minus 120 over at points bet and bet MGM as well. So if you go this route, you'll be able to get over seven and a half in a relatively low total there. Um, interesting that at least I think the numbers indicate that those, these two guys, specifically Gant, are due for some regression, and yet the total is now down to a very low 7.5. And, and the Mets' bats finally woke up a little bit yep. in uh, the second game yesterday. The Mets fired their hitting coaches, Chili Davis and his assistant. Mm-hmm. That, that'll solve everything. Firing the, firing the coach? I, I actually think you're probably a proponent of Chili Davis being fired, though. He is part of the reason he got fired, and I saw polar bear Pete Alonso spoke out against it. Some of the Mets players were not happy that uh, Chili got canned. But he's an old-school hitting coach, and he kind of resists the analytical approach. The launch angle. Yeah, and the, and the Mets stuff. are trying to take a more analytical approach, and that's part of the reason that Chile uh, got let go. But uh, you, you think he would have been fired if Francisco Lindor wouldn't be the biggest bust in baseball right now? Probably $340 million contract. What's he on an 0 for 25 skid? Yeah. And he's uh, just playing horrendous baseball uh, for the Mets right now. But – their bats did wake up, and I agree with you when you look at the both pitchers that you featured here in the buy low so high, I think you'd have to consider looking over seven and a half, and that's the current number here at Circa. So, I, And there's one other guy on here that we'll touch on very quickly, and I, I think he'll be behind this because you and I have talked about mm-hmm. Andrew Heaney before. Andrew Heaney's in the midst of like a sneaky good start to the sure. year, and there are some indicators that this is going to continue. How about his ERA being about 2.24 points higher than his expected fielding independent at this point? A very good difference between the two, you know, indicating some positive regression coming from him. Strikeout numbers are great. 12, 12.7 strikeouts every nine innings. K rate of 35.1%. Batting average against really solid at 207. And his outside swing, so essentially his slider is grading high, one of the highest points of his career. He's getting guys to swing and pitches outside of the zone at a 37% clip. You know, he's getting guys to swing and miss. The strikeouts are there. And, of course, uh, we don't have a number up yet at this point, at least that I can see. But he might be a guy worth back or maybe an underplay given the struggles of the Angels lineup. But Heaney's in the midst of a really solid. Yeah, I don't see a lineup on this game at circuit right now, but I would consider backing Heaney in that spot. I agree with you. 
Uh, an important thing to look at would be Anthony Rendon. He's not going to be back tonight. Is there a chance he's back in the line? We'll double check. It, it wasn't going to be a long absence, but we'll see if uh, Rendon could be available. Let's follow the money here on VSIN. on DraftKings, all right? Leader Daily Fantasy Sports. Just download the app. Use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. Compete for cash prizes each week. Don't wait. Sign up now. New customers get a deposit bonus of up to $500. Code VSIN when you sign up. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, wants help, 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, one 800 9 with it. Got to be 18 years or older. Eligibility restrictions apply. See www.draftkings.com for details. All right, let's bet the association. I'm not so fired up about it after that Knicks bet last night. Small bet for me. I have not bet the NBA much uh, the past couple months. Sort of waiting for the playoffs, but when certain spots pop up, I'll make a um, occasional bet on the NBA. Picked the wrong time to back the Knicks last night. 15-1 and yeah. against the spread in their uh, past 16 games to go to Denver. The Knicks were no-shows last night. In the first quarter, Jokic had 24 points. The Knicks, 4 for 24 from the field. Uh, so the Knicks, three-and-a-half, four-point underdogs last night. No shot. Uh, JVT, the first time I checked the score on my app, it was 26-6. I saw that. Nuggets. And then really never got closer. <laughs> never had a chance in that game last night. What what happened to the Knicks last night against a Nuggets team that's been relatively shorthanded? We yep. know Jamal Murray's been out, but the Nuggets, Nuggets have had uh, other guys uh, on the injury list as well. So, Well, I think... When it comes to the Knicks, the Knicks have been playing very good basketball. And one of the things that has stuck out over this stretch that they have been on uh, has been their offense, right? Their offense has like just come to life over, you would say, the last month, specifically over the last 10 games or so, uh, averaging at least 1.1 points per possession. Um, I think over that, yeah, from, what are we talking about? March 3rd or we're in May. May 3rd to April 12th. So we're talking about nearly a month mm-hmm. of being a really efficient offense. Problem is, it's not really the MO of the Knicks. And you kind of saw what this offense, you know, what it could be. And I'm not saying this is the end-all be-all, but you know, 0.916 points per possession yesterday. They played relatively well defensively, but their offense is not as good as we've seen over the last few months and kind of showed its head in, in a pretty bad way yeah. in altitude against Denver. Yeah, it was, it was very bad. Ugly early last night for the Knicks. They did outscore the Nuggets by six points in the final three quarters. They got it. There you go. <laughs> you they got you back in it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they lost uh, by 16 last night in Denver, but it was never a close game. And uh, my guy, Julius Randle, not going to be MVP. No. Might be most improved, though. But he was uh, he was on quite a roll before last night. He had 14 points, 5 for 15 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3. Nobody played well offensively for the Knicks last night. And uh, that was a, a game that you just throw out if you're Tom Thibodeau, right? Burn try the to, tape, right? Try to move on. So the Knicks on this road trip go to where? L.A. next to play the Lakers? Or who, who do the Knicks have up next? Hold on. Just, I'll double check. They do have the Lakers up. 
Uh, next, at Phoenix, before they play the Lakers. Yep. West Coast swing. Tough, road, tough road swing here for the Knicks. Right, and yeah. right before the season ends, too, when yeah. you're trying to solidify that four spot, and Atlanta's out there playing really well, too. That's going to be a problem for you at this point right now. So, big win for the Denver Nuggets, though, as they maintain their spot and continue to perform really well. with you know, like, And we're not talking about just Jamal Murray with all these guys missing. It's pretty incredible. That's part of the reason I like the Knicks last night. It's not just Jamal Murray <laughs> out there. It's kind of a skeleton crew, but uh, Jokic was so good last night right off the tip that the Nuggets never had a chance. All right, let's talk about some games tonight. I'm going to tee you up here. Uh, Lakers and Clippers and the Clips, the home side, seven and a half point favorites to, what are you seeing for a total, 222? My screen I've got, uh, let's see. Yeah, two. No, actually, I got two twelve. I see two twelve, and I see two twenty-two. Which one's right? I, I'm, I think the two twelve is right. That makes a lot more sense. Okay. If it was two twenty-two and a half, that's an underplay all day. But you got a couple see. guys out for the Lakers: Dennis Schroeder right. and LeBron. Obviously, who else is going to be out? There? Uh, Taylor Horton questionable. Taylor Horton Tucker, I should put, uh, is questionable to play. Strained right calf. Yeah, that's a relatively big deal. Taylor Horton Tucker, not the best player, but he is a guy who can create his own shot, especially with those backup units. So if he's not going to be available. Uh, that is going to be, again, for a team that is already missing LeBron James and Dennis Schroeder, two shot creators of their own, that really sucks for the Los Angeles Lakers, especially mm-hmm. against the, the Clippers. And look, Clippers, three games before their win over the Toronto uh, Raptors, defense had kind of fallen off, right? Defensive ratings of 121 or higher, uh, all very poor against New Orleans, Phoenix, and Denver. But again, Kawhi Leonard not on the floor for two of those games. You get Kawhi back for one game, you put up a really good offensive rating, best one that you had in a week. And so this team is, again, slowly starting to become whole. You can understand why they're such a big favorite. The injuries on one side and the ability to play defense on the other end. And then you finally saw them against Toronto, the Clippers, put together a good performance, 106.4, their defensive rating there. So I get this numbered, but the number is a little inflated. And I think that's why you've seen opened up eight in some spots. You've seen it come down to the seven and a half, but what's the term Vinny uses? Toggling back and forth mm-hmm. on the overnights between seven and a half and eight. The worry here, I would think, if you want to back the Clippers, is the fact that the Lakers showed up defensively against the Denver Nuggets in that win, right? They played abhorrently offensively, only 98.9 in terms of their offensive rating, but held the Nuggets to well under a point per possession. That is the capability of this Lakers team. Remember, when they lost LeBron James and they were with Anthony Davis, they were actually second in defensive efficiency for like a 12-13 game stretch. True. So they can actually still perform at a very high level. It had really fallen off in those solo AD games. I think you get a pretty good defensive effort here from the Lakers. This is situationally, right? Rivalry, all that kind of stuff. They kind of buy into this. Anthony Davis is still going to be out there. My indication would be to take eight points if you're going to get them. I don't think it's going to stay at eight. I would think you start to see this make its way toward like seven and a half or seven. I didn't play it, but I think that would be the side, especially with such a low total, too. I don't think you want to lay eight in a game that's got a total of about 212. Yeah, one screen I'm looking at shows a total of 222, but DraftKings has got 211 yeah, on the total. That's right Vandal, now. right? Yeah, I think that might be a little 211 on the, on the total in that game. All right, how about OKC and Golden State? And the uh, the Warriors have uh, split their past 10 games. They are 33 and 33 in that night spot in the Western Conference. They are obviously going to be in the play in tournament. And there's not much they can do about it, right? Mm-hmm. In the late in the season, they're not really going to improve or drop in the standings in the West. But they are double-digit favorites tonight. The Warriors, 13 and a half. Total 228 downtown San Francisco. So I'd like to see that new arena, by the way. I have not yeah. had a chance to see it yet. It looks awesome. Well, yeah, it looks freaking sweet. So I will say this. Um, we talked about this a couple of times, right? The Oklahoma City Thunder, from a power rating perspective, are so poor 
that they're getting really inflated numbers. Case in point, they have covered each of their last two games. They they caught Phoenix in a really good spot. And then, of course, they were catching five, five and a half against Sacramento. We talked about it that game, right? Sacramento, extremely shorthanded on the road, still laying five, five and a half. It's a pretty inflated number. And so they cover that too. And so this is kind of the worry here. Again, when you're talking about Oklahoma City, from a straight-up perspective, you obviously want no part of them. But when you're talking about catching 14 points against the Golden State Warriors team, which in their last game against the Pelicans, the 28th-ranked defense in the league, you manage just barely a point per possession. Your offense has been extremely inconsistent. Again, against Houston, right, a couple of days ago, offensive rating of 108.2, 0.831. Your offensive rating against Dallas. You see these ebbs and flows with this offense for Golden State because it's relying on Steph Curry. If he has a big night, that's fine. But even then, your offense is still not being or performing at an extremely high level. And that's kind of the worry here is, again, like Oklahoma City, they're a bad team. But are you going to trust the most inconsistent offense and one of the more inefficient offenses in the league to cover 14 points for you here? And that's kind of the worry. So this is one, too, where I'd rather have 14 or pass here with Oklahoma City. They're probably going to lose this game. That's not going out of the stretch because, you know, <laughs> minus 1250 on the money line there for Golden State. But these numbers are really inflated because the Oklahoma City are, the Thunder are this bad. What's and, the stretch now for OKC over the past 25 games? Oh, in terms of? How many wins? Oh, let me double check. I think they only got two. two. Yeah, I think they have two, two in the past twenty-five games. Yeah, they, let's see. Yeah. They got two in the past twenty. That's for sure. So they beat Boston, and then of course they beat Toronto, and that was the last day of March. So two in the last twenty. But they're starting. Like I said, you look. They're starting to cover numbers. They covered their last two. They covered against Boston when they won that game. All right. They covered right. against Indiana two games prior to that. They pushed against Washington, depending on what number you got. So again, talking about that, like it's it's at this point where it's just going to be OKC okay, or pass on some of these point spreads because they're so freaking high. Sure. All right, one more here before the break. Indiana Pacers. They have a coach on the hot seat oh, here, boy. a coach in trouble after uh, more embarrassment last night for the Pacers. You never How see this. And obviously it's a little bit different in a season like this where you don't have true home court advantage. But the Pacers are 11-20 and 20 on their home floor. They are home tonight, five-point dogs to the Atlanta Hawks, total of uh, 240. Those are the DraftKings numbers. Hawks 5, total 240. Yeah, I don't know why you would want any part of the, the Indiana Pacers at this point right now. Like, we, you talked about the uh, video from last night on the sidelines. Assistant coach for the Indiana Pacers, Greg Foster. Very heated, animated discussion and with his own player. Goga Batadze, they're fighting with each other in the huddle. You get the report. And this is on the heels of the report from Adrian Wojnarowski that um, this coaching staff, including Nate Bjorkren, their first-year hire, is on the hot seat and potentially on his way out after a really disappointing year. So things look like they're falling apart. Like there is some disconnect at this point right now in this locker room. And on top of that, you know, you mentioned this ties into the New York Knicks loss. The Hawks are only a half game back right now of New York for the fourth mm-hmm. overall seed. This looks like it's going to be the four or five matchup, but they want home court. You would think they want home court against the New York Knicks, a series that I think uh, favors them very much. And so this is like you have motivation, you have the team that's falling apart on the other side. It would be Hawks or pass. And from an injury perspective, too, Atlanta is healthy. The only guys that they're missing at this point right now are the two young wing defenders who have been out for a while. Cam Reddish with the Achilles injury, DeAndre Hunter with the knee issue, and then he had procedure on that has kept them out for a while now. The Hawks are, to me, no slander against the Knicks. The Hawks are clearly the fourth-best team in the Eastern Conference. And this is a really big lever spot for them to grab a win and get in that spot here with the New York Knicks and potentially jostle for position. So I think I'd rather be on the Atlanta side, and I think you're going to start to see that number move a little bit more in their favor as we kind of get closer to tip-off. You've seen nothing from the Pacers that makes you think that you want to back it at this point. No, it looks like the Pacers don't want to play for this coaching staff. Right. Right. 
So I would not expect a bounce back or the Pacers to rally down the stretch. That looks like a really negative situation. Yep, 100%. By the way, I, I looked it up. The OKC Thunder 2-21 and 21 in the past 23 games. There you go. Man, that's going to be such a beat. Can you think of a win total beat like that? Uh, go ahead and explain what the win total was and how many wins are needed. The, the win total, uh, they only need at this point just two more wins. They have been sitting on, actually they had three for a while. They go winless in the month of April. Man, that is absolutely brutal. And you're going to lose it. Did you, uh, what was the OKC win total? 20, 23, two and, and a half. Okay. Some spots close 25 and a half. Remember we were talking with guys at points. Bet. All right, second hour, Pat Andrews is going to join us. We'll get the Nuggets perspective, but can Aaron Rodgers actually become a Bronco? Get some answers.